0: Welcome to episode 70 of the Half Point per Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Ridge, joined as always by my co-host, Dalton Willie. And our producer, Johnny Pham, is off boondoggling it in New York City. Must be nice. Shout out. Shout out, Johnny. So it's just us tonight. Dalton, first of all, before we jump into our NFL draft winners and losers, which is the sole subject of this show, how are you doing on this incredibly hot
1: Kansas City? spring evening. Well, like we talked about earlier, it's been incredibly miserable. Uh I have no air conditioning today, so my apartment's incredibly hot. Could say that the takes that we're about to fire off might be even hotter, but I'm a little I don't worried. know. I don't
0: know if I have any real real hot takes today, but I guess I'll let other people be the judge of that one.
1: Yeah. Well, I do think there's going to be a specific city that's going to be very upset with our takes <laughs> today for the winners and especially for the losers on this podcast.
0: Yes, if we have a, a major Chicago audience, that could be a problem. But something tells me we we probably, probably don't. But we have NFL draft winners, NFL draft losers. And now, I don't know, I guess I do know how you format this, because we have uh, one, one same loser. This could be a rookie, or this could be a situation that was impacted um, for the surrounding guys negatively for them by the arrival of a you know theoretically better rookie and I know you did two each I have three each to see if we can try not to overlap and we can kind of go together on on the Bears and we should just leave with that because everyone knows that's where we're starting at this point with the thumbnail if you're watching and now with the intro but Dalton anything else you want to add um before we get started I know you had you had an AJ Brown prop that you were fired up about 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 20
1: minutes ago yeah, why don't we wait till we get to winners to talk about that one?
0: <laughs> okay. So we'll start with the losers. So we can start with the Chicago Bears. And for myself personally, um, specifically Justin Fields is, is my loser. Is is it your is it the offense as a whole for you, or did you single out Justin Fields?
1: I I singled out Justin Fields as well, unfortunately. I mean he is the offense at this point when you look mm-hmm. at the depth charge across the entire team, and I mean, just to be honest, I I can't think of a team that's had a worse offseason other than maybe Jacksonville, but they still had a first-round pick to kind of offset the issues they were going to face uh, coming and, into the I season. I mean, while they
0: while they didn't have a good offseason, at least their bad offseason was an attempt to bring in some, like, competent guys for their quarterback to throw to which they are competent it's just a question of are they worth it relative to the prize probably not but at least like i think trevor lawrence had like 38 drops last year which led the nfl or was like very much up there so at least they're trying to help him out somewhat uh the bears are taking the opposite approach
1: yeah and i mean this it starts with this wide receiver depth chart they have i mean the top receiver they have who i'm a fan of is darnell mooney Mm -hmm. but he just doesn't profile as like a Alpha X receiver, that's and, going to be and, your and number that's one the thing. Target. It's
0: like we're a fan of Darnell Mooney. Are we a fan of him as a number one in an offense? Uh I, I don't know. And if he is your number one, you probably want to have a pretty good number two. And Ooh. who who is the number two? Is Cole Komet their their number two, you know, receiver? Which, you know, I, I'm always good with combining tight end and, and receiver just in the into pass catchers excluding running backs when you talk about like weapons but uh, like colcomit's not exactly some proven commodity either
1: yeah well i know a lot of people are excited about Komet in fantasy but the reason everybody's excited about him is because there's no one else on this team to catch the balls Mm -hmm. i mean byron pringle is coming over from kansas city and i don't know if he's going to get suspended for his off-field actions or if that's just going to hurt him um equanimous st brown was their other big free agent ad I they just that's impressive well. you
0: nailed that first name of all the first names you <laughs> don't get you nailed that one
1: I did I, I specifically prepared for it and then <laughs> they go out and they draft Velas Jones Jr. is the th- that and an offensive uh, guard are there two offensive picks in the draft mm-hmm. and
0: they and- they took a couple of offensive tackles I think or maybe they're listed as tackles but one of them's a the guard I don't know but they're in the in the fifth and sixth rounds so like yeah. they're not investing heavy on that side and Velas Jones was the third round pick but I think it was kind of a
1: surprise that he went where he did. It was. And I mean, he everybody has profiled him as a return specialist, which it's fine. But when you're looking at the weapons they have, him and St. Brown kind of profiles the same player. They're going to run the deep ball. They're going to be this, you know the guys who run all your fly routes. And there's just really no one who's going to win an intermediate game. And that worries me because... Last year, Justin Fields was 34th in NFL quarterbacks in time to throw. He holds the ball too long. That was the biggest question mark from him coming in from college. Yeah, and
0: And, their offensive line stunk last year. They brought in a couple guys, but, like, no one major to where I feel like, okay, the offensive line is going to be, like, a lot better this year. Like, will it be a little bit better? Like, maybe, but it's still
1: probably going to be below average. Yeah, and when you have a quarterback who holds the ball, a lot of those sacks fall on him. It's just – from a fantasy perspective, this is probably a lost season for Fields. He's probably gonna have a boom week here and there because he has that rushing upside. But from I mean, I'm probably not gonna draft him and redraft unless he's my second quarterback and I'm just kind of shooting in the dark. Mm-hmm. But out of all the second year guys, he's probably last on the list when it comes to your expectations, unless even Davis Mills might rank higher, which unless <laughs> Jimmy a lot. Garoppolo is still the starting quarterback somehow in week yeah. one, which we still have no resolution to that. So not not impossible at this point. Yeah, but I mean, I just don't believe that this Bears roster is made to compete this year. And they have a defensive minded head coach in Matt Eberflus. They're probably going to be a team that tries to slow the game down and make it simple reads for Justin Fields. And they're, I mean, they're going to be one of the least exciting teams to watch next year, I think, by a mile. And so on, on villas Jones Jr.
0: specifically, when he's taken, it's David Bell still on the board, Jalen Tolbert still on the board. Khalil Shakur went a whole round later, who I would have preferred. Calvin Austin, a whole round later, who I, I even would have preferred. Like, just to name a few. Uh, there may even be some others if I looked more closely at, at the board and how it fell. He spent six years in college. His best season was last year, 62 receptions for 807 touchdowns. His career numbers are 120 receptions, basically 1,400 yards and 11 touchdowns. David in Bell and and yeah, that's his, that's his that, that's six years because like his first two years is basically nothing. David Bell, ninety three receptions for almost thirteen hundred yards and six touchdowns last year alone. So David Bell came pretty close to doing what he did in the whole career in in one season at Purdue. And Bell had multiple good good seasons like that at Purdue. So you were you were talking about the age earlier before we jumped on the pod with Jones. He turns twenty-five, depending on when you're listening to this, May eleventh. So potentially today, if it's the podcast, or he's already twenty-five, or if you're watching us live on YouTube Tuesday night, or you catch us later Tuesday night on YouTube tomorrow. Basically, he's twenty-five when you're listening to this. Can you? I, I'm going to just run through a list of guys. I have one, two, three, four, five, six receivers. You tell me if they are older or younger than than Jones. And I'll start with the softball because I know you looked this up already, AJ Brown. He's
1: older by
0: 50 days. Okay, so wait a minute. Who's older? Vilas Jones. Okay, okay. I, I had okay, so tell tell me if the receiver is older or younger that okay. so just so it's easier. Yes, yeah, so AJ Brown is younger. You mentioned it by fifty days. C D lamb. Is he older or younger? Younger. He is younger. Juju Smith-Schuster, who's been in the oh. NFL since like 2017.
1: Is he older or younger? I'm going to say older, but I think Juju just turned 25. He's older year. by six months. He's oh older by God. six months, and he's already like in his fifth
0: year in the league. And my, mind you, Juju was like the youngest guy ever drafted. Or like, so he's an extreme example, but still. Uh, T. Higgins entering his third season after obviously three years in Clem- at Clemson older
1: t higgins is younger dk metcalf okay dk was younger than d Eskridge, and velas jones is older than D S so he's younger yes
0: dk metcalf is younger last one uh deontay johnson is he older or younger than velas jones he has to be older he is older and he's actually the oldest one on this list i was a little surprised with with how old he was he he must have been an older prospect how old is he 26 he, yeah he's like a whole let me i'll look right now but i think he was like a whole year older whereas like you know juju it's only six months older and like i thought about putting so he's 25 but he's about to be 26 like in two months and like let me look at i like McCole hardman is that same draft class and yeah he's like a whole year older than McCole hardman wow that's kind of insane yeah. So,
1: McCall Hartman could be Deontay Johnson in a year. Uh, never know. Never know. Uh, <laughs> I, I think McCall has less career drops than Deontay did in one season, but we'll find out. That's possibly true. Um, so, basically, I, I make this point to, to say,
0: you know, if this guy's already 25. Like, could he be – could he surprise and be better than, like, a special teams guy? Perhaps. But it's not like he's got a long – um runway of development ahead of him like he's he is what he is when he like when he enters the league basically he basically has like a four-year window and he was a guy that didn't do a whole lot in college until his last year or two so i just find it unlikely he's really going to do that quite frankly the bears have done nothing to help fields on the field this year they are so clearly you say you're punting the year for fields i think the bears are punting this year in general And looking ahead to 2023, which, you know what, like, from an organization standpoint, I can't say it's a terrible strategy, although you don't want to destroy the kid before you're ready to to be good. You want to at least, like, give him something to work with. Like, Byron Pringle may be their second pass catcher. It's either him or Komet. Like, he wasn't even good enough to be the wide receiver three that was reliable week to week in Kansas City with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey uh, taking all of the attention. Like, he had his moments, but... Man, I just think it's gonna be pretty brutal from a personnel perspective on offense. And I'm not looking forward to having anybody on the Bears. I think the only guy, you know, Dave Montgomery you want at cost, because I don't think it's gonna be that high. And outside of that, like, you know, Mooney, yeah, he could have a lot of volume, but boy, it he's gonna get all the attention. It could be tough for him as well. Like I think the guy I'm most interested in at price is just giving Khalil Herbert with my last pick of the draft and, you know, maybe something happens to Montgomery or maybe Herbert emerges and, and gets more work. Uh, other than that, I'm just not seeing much I like on this offense this year.
1: No, I mean, me neither. I mean, Herbert, a guy you, you and I both like. Uh The other one I would probably take at cost is Cole Komet. He's Cole like, Komet he's, too. Yeah. He's a 15th round pick and it's, it's just, a, you drop him if he doesn't do well, mm-hmm. but I don't want, any significant investments in this team from a fantasy perspective. And I don't want any particular investments in watching this team for 17 games. I just, it's going to be a very bad year in the city of Chicago. And even at Everflus is a defensive minded coach. It's just going to be ugly games. I think they're going to grind a lot, a lot of the game out. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Give me your second loser now. So my second loser is my former darling, uh, Austin Eckler. So interesting. I love Austin Eckler as a player still do one thing I want to get ahead of this, which is one of the reasons he's on this list. I think that he is being significantly overdrafted. Um, Last season, Austin Eckler had 20 total touchdowns Mm -hmm. and out of the last 10 seasons of running backs, finishing in the top five, he's fourth in the NFL in fantasy points accounted for by touchdowns. So he has a lot of touchdown regression coming. Or well, just if
0: you look at his individual career, it's like a career high in touchdowns by a lot. And yeah. he even had a pretty good touchdown season not last not last year, but the year before. So basically, about three seasons ago, when he had a great year, and Melvin Gordon was still there, so he'd already had a
1: pretty good touchdown season. And last year blew that out of the water. Yeah, and I love the player. I think he is a very very talented NFL player. He's also 195 pounds. He's incredibly small and that really does impact him. There were multiple times last year where he came off the field with a clear injury only to come back on two plays later because the talent behind him was very bad. Mm -hmm. Brandon Staley came out at the start of last year in August of 2021 and said that they need help behind Austin Eckler. They drafted Larry Roundtree and he didn't work out. Justin Jackson was an absolute bust of a player and, uh,
0: Joshua Kelly. Joshua Kelly
1: is very bad. The entire running back core behind Eckler averaged 3.2 yards per carry while Eckler had 4.8. It's just night and day between the players and they go out and they draft what a lot of people had as the third best prospect in this draft in Isaiah Mm -hmm. Spiller. And I think that Isaiah Spiller fell because of the combine. And I don't weigh the combine that much. Same thing with David Bell. They're two players who I think are very good football players who just had bad combines, and that unfortunately affected their draft stock. And again, like
0: I'm not saying he's Dalvin Cook. But we kind of talked about this at, at, using Cook as an example, and we talked about prospects. Like he was a guy that he doesn't have the um, game breaking speed. The game breaking speed. He's not gonna like do great in the actual like combine testing, but he's got. Athletic ability that just is not what is tested at the combine, and yeah, I think Spiller is a little bit the same—not the same level as Dalvin Cook, but just like that same idea where I think he's a a better athlete than he was able to show because of the nature of the combine.
1: Exactly, and I mean, in the NCA last year, he was second in avoided tackles at twenty four percent and explosive rushes at sixteen percent. He was, the only reason that Spiller wasn't a higher draft pick is because he played alongside a guy who's probably going to be a early second round, late first round draft pick next year. The Texas A&M has an incredibly explosive running back core. And it says a lot that Spiller was even getting the work there. And the Chargers need somebody who's bigger bodied in these red zone opportunities. And Spiller weighs 217. And he also has a pass catching record at A&M. So he's a guy that can do both. I'm not saying that Austin Eckler's is losing his job, but they're going to significantly try to take away the amount of touches they were giving Eckler because he's not built for that workload. And they're a team that's going to compete for the playoffs. And they're probably going to want to have a healthy Eckler for the playoffs, which last year in their playoff run, they lost him to injury deep into that playoff run. If you mm-hmm. remember that game, their running backs did next to nothing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So one thing I will say, like as a pro Eckler, um, Slant out of all of this is I I like that they're treating him this way as opposed to how the Panthers treat McCaffrey. Like I would love for the Panthers to bring in somebody else to do the dirty work, uh, for McCaffrey so he's not doing it all the time. I think it's good for his long term health. But yeah, as far as like his individual season this year, if you're drafting him as the RB two or three, there's probably a pretty good chance you're disappointed because there's a pretty good chance Isaiah Spiller rushes for more touchdowns than the, all of the other three running backs there combined did last year behind Eckler. And there's a pretty good chance they just don't rush for as many touchdowns as they did
1: last yeah. year because
0: that, that stuff varies um, year to year, too. I, I don't, like, have the numbers on this. I'd have to actually go look. But just, like, eye test tells me that Eckler had a lot of, like, inside the five touchdowns last year running, it felt like. And, and that's just not – it could happen again, but it's just really tough to actually predict that – That happening, and you know if Eckler has the same season, which is like nine hundred yards rushing, five hundred yards receiving, ten touchdowns, like that's still an awesome season. It's just not going to be RB two or three, like like you drafted. I don't think.
1: Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, he's probably going to be in my bus category later this year just because there's such an expectation and he he wasn't a yards guy last year. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, like 1500 total yards is pretty good for a running back, but 20 touchdowns really, really inflated that. And there are guys going below him, like Nick Chubb who could have their crazy touchdown regression hit and perform better in the yards category.
0: Yeah. And like da- Dalvin cook is another guy. I think he had six touchdowns last year. And cook is a guy that can easily have like an 18, like a 16 to 18 touchdown season. If, if things uh, break more his way, as opposed to, um, Good old Adam Thielen catching
1: every touchdown uh, for the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah. And uh, the last thing I'll say about Eckler and Spiller is Spiller is the youngest prospect in this running back class at 21 years old. Mm-hmm. And I do think this was an investment in the future. The Chargers are a playoff team, but they also had a lot of needs. I mean, they were they needed a third cornerback. They needed another safety. They really needed a defensive tackle. And they kind and, of put it on the, more help
0: on the offensive line, which they actually did
1: um, yeah. address in the first round. And they punted on some of those in the fourth round to take a falling Spiller. And I think that does show that the franchise is trying to move forward with that. And Spiller just does enough things right that I think he's going to see enough playing time to hamper Eckler's fantasy value.
0: If we're talking about like the long-term outlook for Eckler, he's under contract for two more years. And I would say it's pretty unlikely he's getting another deal at age 29 from the Chargers. And if he does, it will not be. A, a very significant one and at that point he could be at a different stage and it's because he, he's 27 right now so he's he's a guy that just he's been around for a while but didn't
1: really explore on the scene until he was basically 25. Yeah and we just saw his backfield mate you know go for one year three million dollars back to Denver so and, at, and, at the age 29.
0: Yeah and I'm not saying this is gonna happen but his dead cap is only 1.5 million next year if he gets cut so like if the bottom falls out this year and like injuries and things just go terribly, like it's not, uh, they're, they're not financially strapped if they cut him by any means, it's pretty easy to do. And they just invested in the the next guy there. So, you know, just a lot to consider with Eckler if you're thinking like long-term and dynasty, and I think short-term this year too. I, I think you're right. Just by virtue of regression, he was already going to be um, tough to repeat this year. And then they bring in a guy who, could potentially steal touchdowns. I'm going to go with the other obvious loser. So I I had two more. I just want to say the name of the third one. I won't give the whole um, explanation. Like I said, I had three just in case we had both of them overlap. Jamison Williams, uh, there's no way he would have been drafted 110 in any rookie draft had he gone most other places, but he did. And he is—he he went one ten in our rookie league. I've seen him like in mock drafts fall um, in the like one seven, the one ten range. And that was a guy who I would have like taken that one three, just like not knowing team. I think long term, like I'm still pretty interested. Obviously, I still love him, but it's just that is probably one of the worst spots that he could have gone to. Uh, but the guy that's the very obvious loser from the NFL draft is Michael Carter. As someone who has Carter in dynasty, I always expected them to bring in somebody else. Either this offseason or next. I was never one that like you look at dynasty ranks that have Carter that had Carter like 14, like 15, even a little bit higher. I was never like quite that all in. Cause he, he's he's a littler guy and he's not like an elite player like an Eckler, like a McCaffrey. Um and even Camara's bigger, but like Camara's like the same type of running back, pass catcher first and a, a good runner. I just was hopeful it wasn't going to be a Brees Hall or a Kenneth Walker. You would rather it be like the Brian Robinson or like even if they signed Melvin Gordon, um, just somebody like that. Brees Hall is a guy that he's the number one overall pick in a lot of dynasty drafts for a reason. He, he has a super high ceiling. He could easily we, – we look up in three years and he's like a, a three – even in two years, even this year. I mean, who knows? We, we could look up pretty quickly and he's a three-down back and like a workhorse and and really awesome. I think it's probably not going to be that extreme. I think he's probably, I think Carter's still going to be a factor, but like I did very much preliminary ranks before the NFL draft of running backs. And Carter was like around like RB 2021. 20, I think if I redid them, which I will before next week, which next week will be our ranking show. Um, he'd be more like around RB 30. So he drops, you know, a 10 spots, which takes him from low end RB two to low end flex. And that definitely matters. Um, he already had pretty big questions, I think, Carter coming into this season. His best games were when he was used a lot as a pass catcher, which is how he should be used. That was um none of that came with Zach Wilson, basically. So there is the question of okay, can Zach Wilson actually dump it down to Michael Carter? Will he like is that gonna be part of their offense with Zach Wilson a quarterback? We hope so, but we just haven't seen it yet. And then you just have the question of are the Jets gonna be any good? Because it's just hard to make make a living. Um, if you're a pretty good player on a terrible team, like Carter's good, but not going to have to overcome situation. Now you throw Brees hall into that. And so now the concern is, are they, are they still going to be terrible? And is he going to have even less volume than we thought? If you want to look at the optimistic lens, he could easily be a high reception guy, get those high value targets and be a lot more efficient and he was never, like, outside of, like, two games, he was never a workhorse back last year for them, whether it was Tevin Coleman or, God, I can't remember who else. Ty, Ty Johnson. Ty Johnson. Like, there was always somebody else, and Carter pretty consistently produced, like, pretty solid games and had a couple great games when he was the guy. So, like, you know, I could see Carter out producing the rank, but I just think his upside is definitely capped at this point, and there's some downside if the team – is is pretty bad but I, i'm not ready to like bury michael carter like i think
1: some people are what do you think yeah i mean definitely a clear loser uh a little upsetting from a dynasty perspective to see a team back-to-back years invest second round picks and running backs it, it does uh, suck because so it's like you
0: know if michael carter and bruce hall were on like separate teams who both needed running backs and had bad running backs
1: like those are two top 20 running backs yeah well at that and just from an organizational standpoint i think the jets probably didn't shouldn't do that when it comes to those investments. Yeah. But I Carter clearly is a loser i mean he's not going to be getting that every down work that you kind of hope his ceiling could attain mm-hmm. the other issue is they also drafted garrett wilson which isn't a direct detriment but it's just more mouths to feed on an offense that was already kind of busy and yeah now you- but you know that could go both ways it's like well
0: maybe garrett wilson is awesome and they're actually getting first downs and carter's getting more touches because
1: they're actually running more
0: plays so you know it, it's hard to really know which way that that'll go it, it could be either potential outcome
1: yeah, well, and this Jets offense is going to be exciting to watch, uh, mostly because we don't know what we're getting. And maybe Zach Wilson turns out to be uh, above average to manageable as a quarterback and can kind of sustain himself because he has the pieces around him, mm-hmm. which is the best case here. But really, when it comes to you know rostering the second receiving back on a team, you either want them to be on a bad team, which the Jets very well could be, or you want them to be on a team that scores a lot so they get more opportunities. Um, I think that there's still upside here. The upside's probably looking more like what we've seen with JD McKissick or what people are hoping James Cook is going to be mm-hmm. in a player who is getting significant touches and is one injury away from a every down workhorse role. Uh, some of the season still a very, very high end uh handcuff and still a guy who you need to be drafting and redraft. I think he probably falls into like the ninth and tenth round mm-hmm. where around like Ramondre stevenson's and those types of players but i think he's one of the more high end handcuffs in the nfl because he has a clear-cut lead role and he still provides you some flex value week to week
0: yeah I, i was gonna say until we see Brees hall like fully take over which again i think we're probably gonna see like a 70 30 that that's my guess at some point it may not start out that way i think we'll get there um I think if you're looking at this as a negative for Brees, I I would say it is slightly, but also like name more than like five backfields in the NFL that aren't some kind of committee at this point. So he was always going to have somebody else. You just hope that maybe wasn't somebody quite as, uh, if I even want to say good, but as promising of a player as Carter potentially is. But even just looking back at last year, you know, Carter only had, he had less than 200 touches total. Like he could very like. What if he ma- He played 14 games, so that brings it down a little bit too. But, you know, every running back, basically 14 games at the best for the most part. 147 rushes, 36 receptions. You could probably see more receptions, fewer rushes. Like, could, and he could only have four touchdowns last year. So he wasn't carried by touchdowns by any means. Like, I still think he's a loser because he lost to the upside that he could have. But this is also me... Circling back and saying, I just like I've seen him like it like running back like forty in ranks, and I just I think it's real hard to get to get up that low because you're it just gets real thin once you get past like basically like twenty two in the ranks.
1: Well, and there's this this is still the same front office and coaching staff that invested in Michael Carter Williams. They still yeah. have a vision for him. You keep
0: calling him car you call him Carter Williams a text. Oh my gosh, too. that's I'm, a terrible basketball that. player.
1: That is a terrible basketball player. Can't shoot. Uh, but yeah, I mean, one thing I would have loved to have seen Kenneth Walker go here because then I would have penciled in Carter for even more uh, receptions. That would have been the ideal scenario. I, as far as Breeze Hall goes, just as an aside, I, yeah, there are better landing spots, but the, I think the guy is going to ball out wherever he goes.
0: Mm-hmm. Unless the Jets just ruin him, like they ruined so many, so so many others. It, it's it's uh, a non-zero chance kind of like the sacramento kings uh, of the nfl you just don't want your guys to go there a lot of the times i will say the jets are doing the opposite of of the bears though they're bringing in a bunch of weapons for their young quarterback and giving him every opportunity to succeed and we are going to find out if zach wilson is worth a crap or
1: not I just wish the Bears would switch places, or Fields would switch places with Wilson. I feel much more comfortable about my evaluations of both those guys.
0: That's how it should have been—either Lance or or Fields as the Jets' quarterback at number two. But it is what it is. All right, Dalton. Let's move to more positive vibes here to close out the show. We've each got two winners.
1: Uh, why don't you go ahead and start us off? Uh, my first one's no surprise. He's a guy that I've kind of had a crush on since I don't know midway through last season. But it's Jalen Hurts. Um, first and foremost, the Eagles didn't draft quarterback, which a lot of people thought with the amount of draft capital they had, they would just take a shot on the dark at someone later like Matt Corral and Malik Willis fell. I mean, there were multiple guys other than Kenny Pickett who fell out of the first round. So the the opportunity was there. Uh, they showed. I I will, I will say once they got past
0: free agency, I was less worried about a quarterback coming in and being an issue, but obviously he is still a winner because I'm sure what you're about to get to, they had some
1: upgrades on offense. Yeah. Well, and that's where things get crazy is they trade a first round pick for AJ Brown, who is, I mean, no, no, everybody knows that he's one of my favorite NFL players. He's top 10 wide receiver skill wise. They have Devonta Smith, who was a top 10 pick last year. Um, Just some stats on AJ Brown. He was PFF's fourth grader wide receiver over the last two years. He had 2.73 yards per route run. He had a 2.7 TD rate tied with Darren Waller for second in the NFL. And he had a 28.4 target percent on press coverage. He beats every coverage he sees. He is great at yards after the catch. And he's come from an offense where he doesn't see a ton of, you know, looks an offense that runs more than it passes. And Jalen hurts now has two or maybe even three premier pass catchers. If you count Dallas Dallas Goddard and has the rushing upside that we saw last year that until his injury propelled him all the way to QB two. I mean, Jalen hurts. Is it clearly going to be a fancy stud? I think in redraft, there's an argument for him to be the QB one. He will not be the QB one. off yeah, of say, there, There's an argument, but it's
0: not yeah. a good one and not one that I would make, but I know that there's going to be, I I've already seen
1: it actually. Yeah. Uh, some people are going to say it. I do think he slots in in the top six. I, I wouldn't put him top five, um, but he definitely has that ceiling where QB1 is really in his range of outcomes now. And lastly, th- he's getting enough investments from the Eagles that if he can show just something, he could really you know go on to be this team starter for the next couple of years and really become a, a very good fantasy asset. Uh, and I'm excited for him. A.J. Brown, I mean... I I think it's a pretty one-to-one move. There's tons of better places. I think
0: A.J. Brown is a slight downgrade, but just, like, slight. Like, I think when I did my receiver ranks, I think I had him at 10, I
1: told you I would have had him, like, at 7 or 8 before that. So, like, very slight. And I don't discount people for that, because he goes from somewhere where he was the guy to somewhere where he's competing with Smith and Goddard, and Mm -hmm. we're probably going to see similar pass volume, if not worse, depending on how the Eagles come out. But – I mean, Jalen Hurts has everything he needs to succeed, and this A.J. Brown trade really proves it. And the fact they just didn't draft a single quarterback and his competition is Gardner Minshew leaves me feeling that Jalen Hurts is going to be that guy at least for one more year and maybe for a while. He's definitely, like, top five in the NFC now in quarterbacks because it's so poor in quarterback play there. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm really excited about that. I don't know how you feel about Jalen Hurts in the post-draft. I think for
0: this year alone, he's got to be a winner just because, number one, we didn't even know for sure he was going to be the starting quarterback this next year. So that already notch in his belt. And then number two, like you said, they bring in one of the 10 most skilled receivers probably in the NFL, a guy who he hasn't had like that. He's had 2,000-yard seasons, and last year he was basically right on that and had the injuries early. He hasn't had like that explosion season yet, but he's got that in him. And it's probably going to happen at some point, I would imagine. Um, But I would say long-term, I'm not sure if this changes anything about how I feel long-term yet. Now, if he goes out and plays really well this year and can win that job and that front office's trust, then obviously, yeah that that's great. And they did put him in a better position to do so, but I don't take this trade as them saying, we believe in you Jalen Hurts. It's like, you're a guy going forward. I take this as, okay, we're giving you, you know, this is as good a shot as we can give you, but we're also, we're, we're just building this thing for whoever is our quarterback in 2023. It could be you. If you prove that you're good enough, it could be, some veteran we go trade for because guess what the Eagles have is a two or three first they round two picks
1: first round picks next year, next so year could be again, CJ Stroud even
0: again. So they, well, it's going to be, well, they could, I mean, they could trade up for a quarterback. It, it's always tougher to trade up for the, the, the elite quarterbacks because there's a reason why they're supposed to go so high to begin with, but, but yeah, they could easily, there's going to be so many quarterbacks in the first round as of, you know, at what people think right now, next year. Although, you know, that, that changes a lot year yeah. by year, just that before ne- the first round to look so much different next year than what we think right now. But even so it's looking like it's going to be a strong quarterback class and they have the assets to go bring in that veteran, make the Russell Wilson trade, make the Tom Brady a- acquisition, you know, the Matt Stafford trade to bring in that quarterback who they think is a Super Bowl caliber guy that has worked really well for the Rams, really well for the bucks and Broncos. at least in a better spot than they were um a couple months ago obviously but i yes i still think short-term jalen Hurts is a big time winner
1: yeah well and i still would be buying him long term i I think this front office is just a smart front office and Mm -hmm. when you can get aj brown for a first round pick when a guy like hollywood brown also went for a first round pick you probably take that value every chance you get Mm -hmm. um and I would, if you're in a dynasty league, I wouldn't be buying Jalen Hurts as like a Josh Allen or a Mahomes or even like a Russell Wilson long term because those guys have significant investments. Hurts is still on a rookie deal and there's still a lot of leeway they have to move him around. So mm-hmm. I'm not taking the long term buy. It just gives him every opportunity to really hit that. And if you can buy him low now, then that's a good opportunity for you in the future if he hits. But I still think that that's like a 50 50 because he definitely had some passing issues. And if you watch the Bucks playoff game last year, it wasn't just him, but he definitely was not the guy that was going to help them win that game. I'm
0: trying to pull up his contract right now.
1: So he does
0: at least still have two. He has this year and then 2023 on his rookie deal. So at least he has a little bit of a runway. It'd be a lot more nerve wracking if that contract was up after this year. So at least – they can bring him back cheap one more year if if that's what they decide to do. Okay. I decided to go with an actual rookie um on here. I think Damian Pierce is a pretty significant winner, which sounds weird. Sounds weird saying a guy that goes to the Texans is is a winner. Like you you wouldn't think that's what you want. But just following ADPs for rookie drafts all spring and then comparing to where I'm seeing him go in mock drafts and our real draft, he went from a probably early, the mid third round pick to an early, the mid second round pick. And if you're in a league where people are really desperate for running back, like he's a guy that could maybe go at the end of first rounds of of rookie drafts. Not not saying I would do that necessarily, but like it'll happen in, in a league that someone's in who is listening to this. If you've ever seen a highlight of him as a college football player He's the guy that's running like 10 yards after his helmet fell off and, and is still scoring a touchdown. Like this dude is tough. He is a tough, hard-nosed runner, runs through contact, good contact balance. I, I don't know if he has the athletic upside to ever be like a truly elite running back, but like I think it can be pretty good. He was a guy that I liked. Um, just when I was digging into to prospects before our rookie draft. So he lands for the Texans. He has Marlon Mack and Rex Burkhead as the other two vets. And then Dare Okumbawale is currently the, the fourth running back on the depth chart on ESPN right now. So you couple a guy that I think is a is a pretty good, pretty solid player with he's got Burkhead, who's got to be basically done at this point. Marlon Mack, who, you know, he didn't look very good for a lot of last year coming off the Achilles. We'll see what he looks like this year. Maybe it's better, but that's, a, that's an unknown. I think this is a guy who, at least this year, like, I think he's a guy you can probably take, like, I don't know, one of you, like, as a top, like, is he a top 60 back in ranks right now? Like, if he is, like, just barely. I think he's a guy that can easily end the season. It's like a top, like, late 30s to, to early to mid 40s. And if you get that, like, that's a big win. That's a guy you can start for you um, and be, like, an RB3 maybe at some point in the season if the depth chart breaks his way in RB2. And, and that's just a lot different then it could have worked out for him if he goes like, a, like a Brian Robinson who goes to, to Washington and I think got drafted before Pierce, but you know, mm-hmm. Robinson is obviously the only upside he has to be that kind of guy is if there's an injury, not the case for
1: Pierce. Yeah. Well, right now I just looked Pierce as the 61st overall. Wow. I was ADD. right on that. Top yeah. 60. You were right on it. Um, uh, and I mean, he's fighting Rex Burkhead, who I think turns 31 this year is in front of him. And Marlon Mack, who was a healthy scratch for most of last year after re-signing with the Colts, is his competition for touches. And he was a guy a lot of people liked. The Florida coaching staff, from what I was reading on his scouting report, was very dysfunctional and didn't give him a ton of touches.
0: And- yeah, that that's the weird thing with him in college is he like never had a, a high workload and no one could figure out like – okay, are these coaches just dumb? Was there actually yeah. like a reason why this was happening? So that that's the weird thing in
1: his profile for sure. Well, and it's the same thing people were saying about Elam coming out of Florida is that the work he got and the way they played him at corner seemed off. And I think the Florida coaching staff as a whole uh, doesn't have a very positive reputation among NFL scouts. <laughs> and Pierce might have fallen because he doesn't have that proven workload, but he has a really straight line to workhorse status. I know investing in the Texans' offense isn't the most sexy thing, but they did produce you know pretty good fantasy results last season. Davis Mills had a couple of 300-yard games. Brandon Cooks was a top-20 wide receiver. And Rex Burkhead, David Johnson, and Mark Ingram each had their own individual weeks where you could have salvaged them as a flex yeah. option. And I, yeah. you really can hit with a starting RB3, RB2 caliber with Damian Pierce, if he takes over that backfield. And if he gets receiving work, especially, then you're really talking about a guy who has a pretty safe floor in a team that's probably going to, you know, play from behind. Well, and and what you can do is if you hit
0: on a guy like that, that you either pick up off waivers or take with one of your last picks, and he turns into a guy who's basically a, a flex, like a fringe starter, you can obviously number one profit on your own team from that or number two like that's a very classic add that guy to another pretty good guy and trade for a really good guy at receiver or or running back like that any trade where you want to trade two horses for a pony it's always nice that for a running for like a startable running back to be your second piece of that trade
1: yeah well just looking at guys going around him at adp uh you have hubba from carolina you have i miles gaskin chris carson <laughs> mean, and just <laughs> <Choo, choo>, yeah. <laughs> I, I just i refuse i refuse to pronounce his name you have hubbard from carolina there's just not a lot of guys going around justin jackson is one spot above him adp who yeah i think loses it to isaiah spiller and zach boss is right under him
0: who i zach think Moss is, like
1: literally might be cut and, yeah, exactly. There's just modes. a lot of upside here. I would probably say his ADP adjust up closer to like the 50s or late 40s just probably because so. you can you can kind of pencil him in for getting some work at some But point. but even if he is
0: still in the 50s or late 40s, it's like he probably will even have a more clear path to to work without an injury and also like it's not just that. Like I th- like again, not going to be an elite player, but I think this guy's pretty good. Like I think he he's not just going to be it's not going to be Mark Ingram um in his age 30, whatever season, or Rex Burkhead in his age 30 season. Like, yeah, I, I think he's better than that. Like I think he's a pretty solid player at, at this
1: point and should be a pretty solid player next year in the NFL. Well, and I know after the first three running backs, everybody was all over the place with their running back rankings, but mm-hmm. PFF did have Pierce as their fourth best running back in this draft. And th- they really highlighted his big playability and that he has that explosiveness in him. And if he can get into that second level even a couple of times this season, you could really, you know, get a guy for pretty cheap and maybe sell him for a lot more. And he does play Jacksonville twice. So <laughs> you, you definitely fantasy value in playing Jacksonville.
0: Okay, Dalton, who who's your last winner from the NFL draft?
1: So I just kind of cheated here and went first round trades twice. Uh, because my other winner is the other guy that was traded in the first round, and it's going to be Hollywood Brown. Uh I just don't see such – I don't know how a player could not have a better upgrade when it comes to their style. I looked – Well, and also and he's going to get
0: six games as wide receiver one because DeAndre Hopkins is, uh, is roiding up.
1: Yeah, well, that starts off. I don't know where Hopkins is at in his career, but last year we definitely saw a bit of a decline in his game. But You also do kind of worry about like
0: a guy who's 29 going on 30 – who was doing steroids like, Oh, like, are we about to see a, a fall off from, from Hopkins here now that this is not uh, happening for him
1: anymore? Yeah. Yeah. Will Fuller was never heard of again. Um, but Arizona last season was 16th in pass rate over expectation, which isn't great, but Baltimore was 31st in the NFL in pass rate over expectation. And that includes when they were starting Tyler Huntley and passing the ball like crazy because they had no cornerbacks left on their depth chart. Uh That's already going to be a net positive because we're going to see a bigger workload for Brown. When Baltimore was passing a lot with Lamar Jackson, he was a top 12 wide receiver. I mean, point blank, Mm. this situation he comes into, he could actually compete for that wide receiver one spot. Uh, Unlike in Baltimore where Andrews and I think even Bateman kind of outclassed him and fit the Baltimore playbook a little better. Uh, Last year in the red zone, Murray had 8.3 Passing attempts lamar jackson only had 5.1 both those guys missed games so i think that those are pretty good numbers we can focus on that there's a better pass rate from arizona and i mean just the eye test tells you arizona throws the ball more they don't want to run the ball as much yeah Uh, go ahead and i mean just my last fact here hollywood is a deep ball guy and lamar jackson is a great passer don't get me wrong but i think his deep ball might be where he has the most to improve his game. He Mm -hmm. was 18th last year in his passer rating on balls over 20 yards. Murray was eighth. Murray absolutely is a cannon. We remember two years ago against the Bills in overtime where he launched it and Hopkins came up and snagged that for a touchdown. And I think that's another positive for Hollywood Brown is Arizona fits his game so well. I just can't wait for Cliff Kingsbury to use him incorrectly and just ruin all of his value in fantasy. Well, okay. So I I agree with you that, that he's a winner and, he
0: is an even bigger winner because he goes to a team now that doesn't have Hopkins for the first month and a half of the season. But my concern long term for this year is basically all the Cardinals do is throw it deep, which is good for Hollywood. But when that's all the offense does, like there's a there's a reason why the offense has slowed down in the second half of the season because basically they it's kind of like the Seahawks thing where they they've had no counter to when teams take away the deep ball, and they bring in another guy who that is what he's good at, which is great and it fits what they want to do. They could just use somebody else who's going to to do more and probably more importantly they could use a coaching staff and a playbook that is actually going to take advantage of other parts of the field to truly open up the deep ball, which Murray is great at throwing and he's got guys who are great at doing it. But I worry a little bit about them stacking up again on another, another guy who that's what he's best at. I just worry that we're going to see the same old story with that offense where we start hot, maybe without Hopkins, it's even not that great of a start, but I I just worry that they're going to be too reliant on the deep ball and get figured out again.
1: Yeah, well, and I think I've penciled in the Cardinals as the new Seattle Seahawks, (laughs) where they have a good start to the season, straight nine games of baller production. And then the second half of the season, they absolutely fall off. Uh, For what it's worth, I think I sent, last night on Twitter, it was going around, it was a graphic. First half of the season, great players. Complete percentage over expectation for Wilson and Murray is great. Second Mm -hmm. half, they're the only two quote, like quote unquote elite quarterbacks who fall off drastically. And I think, both those guys have had coaching issues and bad coaches. And I don't think that the Arizona coaching staff is relatively sharp when it comes to using their guys smart. And I have a bigger worry that we're going to see Rondell and Hollywood Brown fighting for slot snaps instead of playing these guys in their own respective positions. Mm -hmm. But I do think just when it comes from a pure uh, usage standpoint, Brown's in a better spot. I do think Baltimore is a smarter organization, but they're smart enough that Brown just didn't fit their their perspective and the way they play their game.
0: Yeah, I agree. He's a slight winner. I I, I just have uh, some concerns that maybe might dampen my enthusiasm more more than some others about it just for from a whole season and to just defend Russ a, a little bit or just to add maybe a little more context. I guess you know you you obviously you're definitely right. The, the graphic is right. I think that graphic was the last two years, right? Yeah. Last year, obviously, he played whatever like two games where it was clear he wasn't healthy and wasn't even close to himself, and then was actually okay their last like three or four games of the season. The year before that, it was a definite hot start fall off. But before that in his career, I don't know if we've – it's not been quite like Murray where it's been like that every year. Start hot, fade. Start hot, fade. I think it's three three years now for Murray it's been that. For yeah. Russ, it's just Russ is a streaky player. He always has been. He's had stre- stretches where he has won championships for people. After starting slow, like he he asked, right, I think it was like 2015, where he was like QB1 with a bullet the, the last month. So I, I think it's less him getting figured out like Murray and more um, he's just a little streaky. So I, I, I just say that to say I, I'm not sure if I just want to make sure people aren't penciling in a great start and terrible finish for Russ every year. Because it's just it, it's just streaky. You don't know when it's going to come for Russ.
1: Well, and I would say that's partially because Rush's coaching staff couldn't adjust. Um, Yeah, for sure. And unfortunately for Murray, he has the same coaching staff and Rush does not, which may change the outcomes for both those players or for one of those players. Well, you mentioned the Ravens, obviously. I'm going to shift to that
0: team, um, taking the other side of that for for my winners here. And I, I mega cheated and just went all of their skill position players, all of the relevant ones, at least. Mark Andrews, Rashad Bateman, J.K. Dobbins, and to a certain extent, Gus Edwards, all winners after this NFL draft. Number one, you mentioned it, obviously. They trade Hollywood Brown. That opens things up for Andrews and Bateman. They, you know, not like super high profile, but they don't have Sammy Watkins back either. He, he's gone. He's now with the Packers. Talk about like not being able to name the Bears wide receiver two. Like I who is the wide receiver two in Baltimore this year right now? Like I'm sure they're going to sign somebody. So this isn't like my only reason for thinking this. But even if they sign someone, it's clearly Bateman and Andrews as the top two pass catchers there, I think.
1: Yeah. Well, and I mean, I think Devin DuVernay is the next guy, and he's on that team because he's a return specialist. Um, And I agree with you. From a skills position standpoint, they also added Tyler Lindenbaum, who was everybody's best center in this draft, going to be incredible for that. Early on, I was a little worried about Dobbins and Edwards. We both talked about this because they were bringing in guys, and it looked like. One of those two players was definitely having an issue with their rehab of their ACL injuries. Since then, I'm I'm kind of off it. They signed Mike Davis, who I think is just a career, you know, rotation back. He's not somebody that's going to threaten the way those two play. And they signed Tyler Beatty, who I liked at first out of Missouri, and then I realized that it was the Baltimore Ravens' eleventh pick in the NFL draft, uh, and that just they had like
0: saved. seven fourth round picks. Yeah,
1: exactly. And so when you look at, you know, how far down the, the line he was, he, I think he was just someone there like, we could probably just use a running back in here. And They picked yep. him up. So I, I'm not as big on him anymore either. And then there's, some well, they obviously signed, and they
0: obviously signed Mike Davis uh, today, who I think is probably just uh, Gus Edwards insurance would be my guess. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah. so, so on the running backs, you know, you're right. You mentioned it. They draft Beatty, who like, I think he's solid, but he's not threatening either of those top two guys if they're both healthy. Um, they take Linenbaum, who should help their, their running game, their power running game a lot. And just by virtue of both these running backs and Lamar, hopefully being healthy this year, like we should hopefully see a, a much different Ravens team. Just, just overall, um, are they going to revert, revert to like a lot of two tight end stuff? Like, is is there going to be a second tight end that's fantasy relevant there? They, two of their mid round picks were, were tight ends. They took the kid from coastal Carolina and, and the kid from Iowa State. So, like, and if one of those guys is not relevant this year, they're going to bring in a veteran at receiver probably, but it's like, man, it just really highlights Bateman and Andrews as the top two guys. I think Bateman was already a favorite of mine before the Hollywood trade at, at, as far as being, like, I think I'm probably going to rank him higher than consensus. I think he, his rank is probably going to be about what my rank would be now. He's going to get actual hype because of the clear opportunity. But he has the profile of, you mentioned it earlier with Mooney, not having this, like he has the profile of a true X, a true one. That was his scouring report coming out of college last year. He was a draft favorite for a lot of people and he just never really quite got off the ground last year. And most of it, not his fault. He has the hamstring injury that knocks him out for six weeks to, to start the season last year. And then, you know, it's a rookie. He, he's going to start slow like most rookies do. And he starts a little slow pick, you know, maybe picks up a little bit and Lamar gets hurt. Lamar plays 12 games and like only half of those are with Bateman, I think. And his other half of the season was catching passes from Tyler Huntley and whoever else was playing quarterback at various points of, of the season for the Ravens. So I think he's in for a pretty big jump. I did not have him inside my top 36. He would have been like right outside, excuse me, right outside there. Um, if I ranked further further than that, but I think now he's gonna be like in that top 24, 28 range. And then Andrew's like, I think he's got an argument for tight end one. That's what he was last year, no lower than tight end three. And then you mentioned it with the running backs. There was definite concern. We didn't know with who, and we didn't even know if there was real concern, but like there's in the tea leaves, we were concerned about the health of one of or both of those backs because they were maybe a Melvin Gordon uh destination oh they were bringing in like quite a few running backs for for visits like it was like okay like which one of these guys is not making a full recovery here but you just feel a little more secure about at least jk dobbins which is the one that that truly matters um in this offense from a fantasy perspective like edwards matters and is like a startable running back but like dobbins if things are, are working and things are right he's at worst a top 20 running back and potentially better than that. So I think they come out as winners because I am surprised that we made it to this point without them adding anybody of significance after what had been happening before this.
1: Yeah, uh, definitely crazy to see that. And uh, just a quick moment of silence because our former RB1 was released and is tender revoked by the Ravens today. Tyson Williams uh, (laughs) is no longer on the Baltimore Ravens. His brief stint as RB1 from September of 2021 to September of 2021 is now over. I did get curious because I agree with you a lot that the Ravens' skill positions are all winners. And in a way, I think Lamar Jackson's a winner because this indicates they're probably going to pass less and he might have to use his legs and get those highlight reel plays. So I looked up MVP odds for next Mm -hmm. year. And Lamar Jackson is... At plus twenty five hundred for MVP odds, with guys I, like Derek Carr, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, Dak Prescott are in front of them. I think that that is a clear gamble I am willing to take.
0: I'm just saying, Kansas. Let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and speed up this uh, this process here, and I, I, and, yeah. and we can make that bet. I'm also before we before we get off here, if FanDuel would load for me, which clearly doesn't want to. I'm curious what the Ravens are. To win that division, because I feel like, obviously, the Bengals are really awesome. The Browns are going to have Deshaun Watson. We don't know for how many games. It's actually that's maybe it's not really breaking news, but it at least seems possible now that with the way things are going with that trial, that it he's not even going to basically be on trial until next, after the season, after this season, and. They're talking about that. Like Goodell doesn't want to put him on the com- on the lit on the commissioner's exempt list, and he wouldn't get suspended before he has the trial. He doesn't want to act for the legal system. So, like, we may not see a suspension with Deshaun Watson at all this year, or we still could. That's that's very uncertain. Well, I just the think Ravens the Ravens could the, be a
1: print fest. Then the Ravens might be like I think they'd be my bet to win that division. Well, right now on DraftKings, the Browns are the favorite at plus one seventy five. Then the Bengals at plus two hundred. Then the Ravens at plus 225. Those are pretty good odds, I think, when it comes to betting for that. And um, I really,
0: unless, and, and, like, if we hear D- uh, Deshaun's suspension, that, that'll that change things. But, I like, it's, it's still going to be the Bengals probably the favorite, and then mm-hmm. the Browns are still going to be right there with Baltimore, unless it's, like, a truly long suspension for Watson. So, yeah, I... I think that's super interesting. Um, and I think both like they almost made the playoffs last year. And just think about all of the guys they lost. Like they're going to win that division, I think. And even if they don't, they're going to make the playoffs. Like I saw yeah. a graphic. It's like, which non-playoff team is going to make the playoffs? It's like, well, Ravens with a bullet, like they're for sure. They're for sure getting in. They're just going to take the Steelers place that they somehow earned last
1: year. <laughs> yeah. Well, the Ravens were bad last year because of injuries. Yes. I mean, and what I'm most excited for, probably one of the games I'll pencil in when the schedule comes out in two days, is whenever the Ravens play Cincinnati. Because after Cincinnati yeah. decided to throw on their secondary when they were already up and just really run it down the Ravens' throat, I think that there's there's good good chance that Baltimore does the same to Cincinnati. And I am out of all of the other than Tomlin, I think that this is the best coaching staff in that division by a pretty good margin. No offense to a team that just made it to the Super Bowl. But
0: I, I actually think I'd give them the edge over over the Steelers. I, I think I think Harbaugh is is a slightly a slightly better coach. But yeah, I just to keep this tangent going for a second, I, I think this is just the most talented roster in that division. I mean, they they bring in what is it geez? I mean, Hamilton what's what's the name of the saint of the former saints safety uh, it's it's slipping oh in my mind yeah right now they they bring in a, anyway a, a pro bowl caliber safety and then they draft the best safety in the draft and then they draft the best center in the draft And then they also have a bazillion fourth round picks and it's the Ravens.
1: Like one or two of those guys is going to be really good next year. Well, they get both their corners back. Marcus Peters being one of them. They have a great pass rush. They're bringing guys back on the pass rush. And and their
0: actual actual cornerback one, Marlon Humphrey. Marlon Humphrey was injured a lot of last year too. So, I mean, they basically anybody who was good got injured at some point
1: on their team last year and they still won eight games and they still had to lose three in a row to miss the playoffs. (laughs) Yeah, no, huge fan of the Baltimore Ravens. I think they're definitely uh, just some betting advice. I think they're very undervalued at this point. And I think that the market starts to correct close to the season when we start really looking at rosters and seeing the training camp raves and reviews for teams like
0: this. Maybe I also just think the Browns and Bengals are going to be the darlings and the Ravens the forgotten about team. Cause it was happening last year too. And it was going to be wrong until the Ravens had everybody get hurt. <laughs> so Absolutely. I, I, think, I think it's going to happen again this year and people will be wrong. All right, Dalton, we're at almost an hour. Exactly.
1: Anything else to add before we get out of here? Just the best part of the year where everything you say is right and you can't be proven wrong. <laughs> keep up that same energy for next week don't have a, a day scheduled
0: yet so we'll obviously keep you guys updated there but next week we will have rankings i, I think we'll we'll do all four positions but we're not going to go too deep it might be like top 24 maybe 36 at running back and receiver and then like top 12 we'll just do top 12 quarterbacks and tight ends and probably zip through those because those are especially tight ends just not too interesting to talk about, but until then, that is going to do it for episode seventy of the Half Point Per Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Half Point Per Pod. Subscribe to the YouTube if you're watching on YouTube. Our guy Dalton is starting to put together some videos, and I promise you, we will have seven twenty quality next week. Give, give, give us a little slack, we little 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 user error. It was our first time. It was still still a good video. We've got more coming. Um, And after next week's episode, we will be taking a content brainstorming break, but we do have that one last show for you guys. So subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, leave us five-star reviews, let us know what you think of the show, and we will talk to you all next week.